You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, joined by my co-host, Justin Watson. As we come off of a big weekend of fights, we're going to recap the Bellator 238 card that went down this past Saturday from San Jose, California, uh, Los Angeles, California. I'm sorry, at the Forum. Uh, we're going to recap that. A couple of Knoxville products will be uh, – we're, we're, we're on that card. Jason and Emily King, so we're going to recap their fights. And then uh, we're also going to talk about the UFC card that was in Raleigh this past weekend over in Justin's neck of the woods. Uh, it was a big heavyweight uh, contest at the top of that card, Curtis Blades and Junior Dos Santos. We'll recap that as well as a couple interviews. Uh, at the end of the show, we're going to talk to both halves of the main event for next week's big Valor 69 card. It goes down at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe next Saturday night. Not a Friday night fights at the Joe. This is a Saturday night fights at the Joe. February the 8th, we're going to talk to both halves of the main event for the 155 championship. A ruthless David Robbins is going to join us as well as the challenger for his title the Bosnian barn cat, Demir Frapagovic, both going to be on the line with us this evening to uh, talk about that big main event. Justin, uh, you are live at the mothership again tonight. That's two weeks in a row. That makes it a lot easier, of course. Uh, two big fight cards we're going to recap this evening. Uh, how was your week, man? Are you ready to get into this thing? Yeah, man. Just trying to stay warm out here. How was your uh, Monday or uh, your new uh radio show yeah yeah well this is uh that that's funny you asked today wednesdays is when we we tape this as well as uh now my i guess i've got a second show that's on uh 99.1 the uh sports animal wnml here in knoxville and i guess there'll be uh an availability for that uh everywhere but uh, i've been co-hosting with uh <clears throat> with vince ferrara who is a uh, you know longtime voice of the balls here in Knoxville? He does a lot of UT football and basketball and baseball, and uh, you know he's lobbied for an M, uh, an MMA show there on uh, the radio for quite a while now. So that's starting as well. We'll we'll give you more details on that as the weeks come. But yeah, that that's on Wednesday nights, the night before the Valor Hour hits. You can uh, check that out if you're in the Knoxville listening area. So uh, cheap plug there. Let's uh, let's jump into uh, some recaps man we had two shows both on saturday night um you know they didn't overlap too badly you were able to watch the prelims of the ufc card and get pretty much to the main event before you had to make a decision if you're going to switch over to the bellator card so we'll start on the ufc card of course it was uh, going down in raleigh the first ever show in raleigh north carolina the uh, undercards went something like this uh we started off with a big knockout from herbert burns over our man, Nate the Train Landwehr. We were excited for uh, the debut of Nate the Train. And uh, as always, he put on a, an exciting fight, as he is apt to do. Uh, but he didn't come out on uh, the winning side of this one as a big knee uh, to, the, to the head knocks out Nate the Train. Uh, Herbert Burns wins his UFC debut. Uh, Brett Johns uh, also uh, with a very impressive performance. He got a third round rear naked choke submission over Tony Gravely. And 
And uh, that was a really good back and forth fight. Uh, Gravely actually accounted very well for himself. John's being out for a couple of years. I think that was uh, kind of a question mark coming into this fight, how he was going to perform. And, man, he uh, performed in a flying colors. Really good performance there. Sarah McMahon, unanimous decision win over Lena Lonsberg. Not a whole lot of action there. She was able to just kind of impose her will with the grappling and, uh, you know, kind of – kind of grind on Lena Landsberg for all the rounds. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if she gets a, a better challenge now after, uh, you know, shaking the K, the K dressed off for uh, two years away. Montel Jackson with a very dominant decision win over Felipe Calaris. Um, and then also we had Justine Keish with a unanimous decision over Lucy Pudilova, uh, Arnold Allen, uh, over Nick Lentz, also by unanimous decision, and the trend continues with a fifth straight unanimous decision on this card. It was Bevan Lewis in a lackluster affair over Daquan Townsend. Justin, that is the preliminary portion of the Raleigh card. What stood out to you, if anything? I missed the first couple of fights. I was uh, confused on the time a little bit. I was surprised to see Nate go down like that. Um, he was pushing the pressure. You know, he got out of a tight submission and um, just got caught coming in uh basically you know so i think we'll see him come back strong um montel jackson with a huge performance uh 75 to 7 on significant strikes landed um had 11 takedowns you know should probably should have gotten the finish but uh, just a good good performance altogether. um nick lentz and arnold allen i thought was going to be more of a wrestling match than it turned into nick lentz wasn't really able to establish it um you know i think his his striking was Decent, but just not enough to keep up with Arnold Allen. Uh, so good win there for him. Um, you know, boring, pretty boring fight there with uh, Bevan Lewis and, and Daquan Townsend. Um, but Bevan Lewis did what he needed to do to get the win. Moving on to the main portion of the Raleigh card, it was Jamal Hill with a unanimous decision win over Mirko Krokop, protege Darko Stosic. Angela Hill gets a second round ground and pound victory over Hannah Cyphers in a battle of North Carolina alum. And then uh, rounding out the early portion of the main card, it was Alex Perez with a very dominant submission win in the first round pretty quickly over Jordan Espinosa. Uh, one of the more uh, impressive performances on the night, I think, for Alex Perez. That's going to catapult him up into the middle of the top ten, I think. And uh, I would imagine we'll start seeing him in, in, a, in some big fights. He, he called for Askar Askarov in his, uh, his post-fight interview, and that may be one that they just may give to him. Your thoughts on uh, the early early portion of the main card here. Yeah, I like that call out a lot. After all we were just talking about last week, you know, made a statement a couple weeks ago. He's undefeated. You know, showing how tough he is. Um, so, you know, it was an impressive win. Angela Hill, uh, I was pretty impressed with. You know, she ended up finishing finishing the fight on top and mount, I think, and, um, you know, just weathered the storm. You know, like Hannah Cypher is just kind of a bulldog, and she was able to use her striking to keep that, uh, to limit that the efficiency of that, um, and then when they got to the ground, you know she was landing big elbows and and got the fight stopped. Um, the, the Hill and Stochik fight was crazy. Stochik got six takedowns, but Hill landed 101 strikes to Stochik's 31. Oh wow! Um, some of the shots were just huge, man. But um, but uh, good fight there. The co-main event. It was Mike Chiesa coming in as, a, as an underdog to uh, Rafael Dos Anjos 
in a welterweight affair. And, you know, I, I kind of like Kiesa coming into this fight. I think that he's shown just a lot of fire here lately, especially with this move to 170. And he got it done uh, with great wrestling and top control. He gets a unanimous decision win, uh, probably the biggest win of his career, I'd have to imagine, over uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, who one has to imagine, you know, it felt like about a year ago we we're having this, the same conversation about him, you know, like we're – where does he go now? You know, that's uh, that's a tough loss. A big win for Kiesa is that puts him into the rankings now. Uh, I can't remember where he debuted, but he's ranked now. He, I want to say he's he's in the in the, the middle of the rankings. Um, and we'll see if he gets a big fight. He called out uh, he called out the champ immediately. But I don't know if he's going to get that. But I do think he's going to get a big fight. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, I was I was actually super surprised. I thought that it would be kind of the other way around. I thought that Desanjos would be able to bulldog him, um, but Kiesa was fucking massive. Yeah. Like, and I thought he'd be a small one. Like, yeah. you know, I thought it was like he's going to struggle at one seventy. I just don't think he's going to have the size. No, he's huge. He's yeah. massive. He's a big one seventy. Um, <clears throat> you know, and, and the bigger one seventies have been able to kind of do that with Desanjos. Um, the the grappling and, and being able to, to get in there and control him like that was just wild. He had six takedowns. Um, so that was a big, big performance from him. I'm not sure um, what he's going to get next, but I think it's, it'll be something big. I believe it's, I think I saw it, that he ended up in, in ranked seventh or so. Yeah. Yeah. That's solid, man. Yeah. Main event. Uh, another couple of ranked guys. It was Curtis Blades getting the second round TKO over Junior Dos Santos. Uh, wasn't able to get the take, uh, takedown game going early in the first round, so he had to rely on his striking. And at that point, I was like, ah, I think this will go Dos Santos' way if, if, uh, if they're going to strike. But no, Blades uh, showed enough striking to, to get the job done uh, over Junior Dos Santos in the second round, uh, early in the second round. And uh, Blades now, I would have to imagine, is you know uh, once again going to be considered a title contender. But I think as long as Francis Ngannou – is kind of standing in between him and the title. He's going to have to kind of get past. Ngannou beat him, you know, the first time. So I think, or two times. So yeah, he's going to have to kind of get, you know, that monkey off his back first. But at the same time, is that a, is that a fight that people really? I mean, are you going to pay for that? Uh, not not yet, probably. But it, it makes for an interesting case down the road if if Curtis Blades keeps winning like this. I didn't think that he'd be able to do that against Junior Dos Santos. I, mean, I thought that if some if he was going to win, I thought it would sure. be you know wrestling. obviously wrestling and, and ground and pound, but um, to to knock him out like that is was, was super impressive. Um, I think Dazon just I mean uh, I'm sorry I think Francis you know if he he's got Rosenstroik next yeah if he gets the Rosenstroik I think you know he's got to fight the winner of of um, Stipe and and DC if that's what they're going to do. Blades may be rooting for Rosenstroik to win that one. Because that kind of opens yeah, up that path. It, yeah, it definitely helps him. I mean, it, it you know gives him a, sh- a shot to fight Rosenstroik for uh, you know number one contendership. Um, you said Kiesa caught out the champ and kind of threw me off. I was trying to remember, but he just walked up to the mic and said, "Kobe Covington, I'll see you in in July." Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you think that's the fight he'll get? That would be a good. Yeah, I was because I was thinking that he matched himself pretty well, but yeah, yeah right. Him and Kobe would be. I mean, Kobe has to fight somebody next, and. If, if Michael jumped, you know, to number seven, Colby's probably three or four. Um, yeah, yeah. Be, be a wild fight. I think he'd probably be bigger than Colby Covington. 
All right. So uh, biggest winner and biggest loser on this Raleigh card, man. I, I want to go first. My biggest winner. I'll let you pick your biggest loser first so we don't just trip all over each other. <laughs> For me, man, biggest winner, I've got to go with Mike Chiesa. I think that as an underdog uh, coming into this fight, he really made a statement and there was no doubt about it. You know, he, he got out there and, and imposed his will. Um, for all the rounds against uh, a very tough vet ranked uh, RDA, Rafael Dos Anjos, your biggest winner. Yeah, I would definitely take Kiesa too, but since you took him, I'd say Curtis Blades, you know, is the obvious next choice. There's, there's a few pretty big, you know, people that, that made good statements for themselves, but um, I think it does the most for Curtis Blades. I'm not sure where he's ranked at now, but I think he's in the top five. Um, you may have said it a minute ago. Yeah, I want to say uh, that he's fourth or third now. Actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think that, um, he, you know, he's right there. So it's a big one for him for sure. And I'll let you go first for the biggest loser. Um, Biggest loser, probably, probably Dos Anjos, I guess. Right, right. I mean, both these, I think, are within the main event, the co-main event. Both were big winners and both were big losers, too. You know, either one, I don't know where they go from here, but. Um, I think that's three or four losses for uh, DeSanjos in a row. And, you know, he was on a tear before that. So um, I don't know. I don't know where that puts him. He definitely wasn't a, a big welterweight. Maybe 55 is still an option. Um, otherwise, he's probably coming up on retirement soon, I'd say. Yeah, I would uh, also probably concur with you. That's uh, that's that's definitely a tough loss. Um, there, you know, most of the people in the undercard that lost are, are young that, that are going to get, you know, more opportunities. But I think that, uh, the one that probably will not will be Daquan Townsend. I think, uh, that that may be the end of his rope. I, uh, he hasn't really been impressive in, in either of his fights. And, uh, he was a guy that I think came in on short notice to begin with to kind of begin his UFC mm-hmm. career. So I could see, uh, him maybe being, uh, and not to mention just, on the receiving end of just a very lackluster, you know, fight that lost a lot of fans. So I'm going to go with Daquan Townsend as my biggest loser, just to be contrarian. Let's move on to the other card from this past Saturday night. And this was on the West Coast. It was Bellator 238. And uh, Bellator 238 was uh, featuring a couple of Knoxville fighters uh, that have competed on the VFC cards over over the years. That we're very familiar with. We'll get on into them in just a moment. Those were on the main card. A very quick rundown of the undercard. Uh, a lot of a lot of prospects here. Uh, not not a lot of. of Stellar matchups, but a lot of prospects on display. Uh, re- real quickly, Miguel Jacob over David Pacheco. Uh, David Pacheco, excuse me, by unanimous decision. Anthony Taylor beats Anthony. Uh, I'm sorry, beats Chris Avila uh, from the Diaz uh, squad over there by majority decision. Curtis Millender makes his Bellator debut, and it is a successful one. A unanimous decision over Moses Mariota, and I believe I read something afterward where you know he wants to fight Michael Venom Page. Curtis Millender says that uh, Paige is ducking him and that the, the fight was offered to him in England the last time that Paige fought. It was supposed to be Millinder, but Paige went with an easier guy. So that's a fight he's trying to get, I guess. Up next, it was J.J. Wilson with a second-round arm
armbar submission over Mario Navarro. Uh, AJ Agazarm, that's uh, one of Bellator's prospects that they're really bringing along. He gets an armbar of his own in the third round over Adele Altamimi as Aaron Pico. Um, this is back and forth for Aaron Pico. It was a good one this time. It was a second round left hook uh, knockout over Daniel Carey. So nice win for Aaron Pico. Moves to five and three. Josh Jones over Brandon Bender by decision. And that is the preliminaries uh, for Bellator 238. Uh, like I said, Justin, there's a lot of a lot of uh, prospects here, a lot of guys that Bellator is looking to bring along. Uh, nothing earth shattering, but uh, anyone stand up. Uh, it's interesting you said that about Curtis Millinder and, um, and Michael Page. That would be a, a fun fight. I could definitely see Page ducking that fight at this point. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's looking for big fights. Curtis Millinder is, you know, one of the bigger names that he's going to be able to find. So, um, be a big, a, a big style clash too. I think it'd be fun. Uh, AJ Agazon, you know, was, he had to fight through some adversity. You know, he got wobbled a couple mm-hmm. times and, and was hurt pretty bad. Um, and came back in one. So that was, you know, probably a good learning experience for him. Um, I missed the Aaron Pico fight. I was kind of switching back and forth through the UFC during this. So I missed, I missed these last two fights, but, I uh, saw that Aaron Pico got the knockout. Got to see the replay of it, um, and yeah, it was, he definitely needed that to to keep going. I mean, you know, now he's five and three. If he would have lost again, it would have been he would have been four and four. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, he's kind of done at that point um, to 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 have started where he started at. So um, good on him to get the win, I guess. Main card starts off with familiar faces. It was Emily King, the Valkyrie. Uh, you know, we've seen her on the Valor cards here. We spoke with her last week uh, here on the Valor Hour. So uh, she was taking on Ava Knight in a strawweight affair, 115 pounds. Ava Knight is the WBC world boxing champion, just a world-class boxer, uh, but uh, still young in her MMA career. Uh, they The fight started off. Uh, quickly, uh, Ava landed a couple of you know good flesh shots, uh, flush shots to uh, to Emily King, and uh, Emily immediately was able to get to that clinch, got the fight to the ground, and it was all Emily King from there. She uh, she really put on a grappling clinic on uh, you know a very scrambly Ava night. It was obvious that Ava was very athletic, very uh, squirrely, squirmy. Hard, you know, I could imagine very hard to keep down. She wanted to get out of those positions, but every time that she she would buck or turn. Uh, Emily was uh, transitioning perfectly and was finally able to catch the rear naked choke about two minutes into the first round. Scores a big upset there. You know, uh, I think that, uh, you know, even though Emily was uh, coming into that fight with more experience and people in the know realize that, you know, MMA and boxing are two different sports. I still think that, you know, that boxing pedigree of Ava Knight had most people thinking that she was going to going to get the the nod here. But Emily uh, had other plans just in your take. Did odds ever come out of that? They did, actually. Yeah, Ava opened at around 260, minus 260, with Emily coming back at about plus 200. But it ended up closing all the way at Ava and I, minus 500, with Emily coming back at about minus, or I'm sorry, plus 350. That would have been a good bet. I've never seen Emily look that good. Um, Just, I mean, she was completely dominant, did did exactly what she needed to do to get the win, and um, dominated every, every moment of the fight, really, you know, especially in the grappling um, she was transitioning perfect, you know, 
uh, got her hooks in as soon as she started taking the back, put her hooks in and, and started digging the, the net for the neck. And I mean, it was in super deep. You knew right away that it was, that it was over. It wasn't a, wasn't a question about no, it. No, you know? no, absolutely. And, you know, very, very composed out there. Uh, didn't let the circumstances overwhelm her and uh, just a really good win for Emily King. And, you know, the only thing I think the only deterrent here is that Bellator hasn't really displayed a very big uh, straw weight division up until this point. However, they do have a few out there uh, like a Carrie Melendez and, and a few like that. So hopefully uh, there is more opportunity coming down the pike for Emily King. Her husband, the Asian persuasion, Jason King, up next in welterweight action. Again, we spoke to him last week as well, making his Bellator debut at eight and five. Another mainstay here on the Valor scene. We've seen him, you know, main event fights and uh, just, you know, really a, a good crowd favorite here in the area. Uh, taking on world kickboxing champion Raymond Daniels, uh, a legend in the kickboxing sport, you know, but in MMA, uh, one and one. So it was another one of these cases where you've got a guy uh, that is very well versed in uh, in combat sports, but but in MMA still kind of getting their feet wet. Um, but, um, you know, Jason King was uh, succumbed to strikes uh, ground and pound about three minutes into the first round. Raymond Daniels showing just a lot of flashy kicks uh, to the body that, that kind of zapped it out of Jason there. Uh, you know, that said, in Jason's defense, a lot of ups and downs emotionally, I think, that, uh, that people don't take into account here. You know, aside from the fact that he's facing a world class striker in Raymond Daniels, uh, you have to keep in mind that his wife had just fought. Uh, and the biggest opportunity for either of them in their careers. So, you know, his wife's won. He's ramped up. As you can imagine how excited and how pumped and happy he is for his wife. Uh, he parlays that adrenaline into the walkout because he's up next. Uh, and, you know, about a minute in, you kind of saw it kind of just kind of drained from him. And, you know, you can't blame. I mean, I can't even imagine being put in the circumstance. You know, I would absolutely would have crawled under the, the cage, you know. So uh, props to him for, for fighting through it as best he could. But Raymond Daniels too much on this night and he gets the uh, the finish in the first round. Uh, Jason uh, impressed Bellator matchmakers from what I've uh, been told. And uh, I think there's a good chance he will get another opportunity as well. They, they, were, they were still pleased with, uh, you know, his grit and his moxie. And I know that he would like another opportunity to to show better uh than that because we all know that he is certainly capable your thoughts yeah so i guess you know maybe jason did have an adrenaline dump it would be tough to go out there after all that like you said um he did a good job avoiding the kicks and uh you know one of the more dangerous aspects of his of daniel's game i think the right hand just ended up being more than he was expecting and um you know just kind of got got thrown off early there um, but I don't think he took too much damage, so hopefully we can we'll see him get another opportunity pretty quick here. Moving on into the rest of the main card, it was Sergio Pettis with a first round uh, submission over Alfred Kashakian. It was Juan Archuleta with the decision over Henry Corrales. A little, uh, not the most exciting affair there. Darian Caldwell, super impressive. First round submission made it look easy over an undefeated Adam Boritz, who was 14 and 0, and now he's 14 and 1. And Darren Caldwell moves into the next round of the Grand Prix. To uh, man, who now he he's got a tough one in his next one though, doesn't he? He's got uh, McKee. Yeah, he's got AJ McKee. So that's gonna be that'll be a big fight. Uh, and then, of course, the main event saw Cyborg Chris Cyborg make her debut in Bellator with a dominant 
Fourth round, uh, TKO over a very tough Julian Budd, but Julian Budd just overmatched here. Chris Cyborg makes a statement and takes that title in the main event. Uh, your thoughts on the rest of this Bellator show? Uh, I thought it was a pretty decent main card. Um, you know, Sergio Pettis was a, was a good look for him. The guy, the guy kind of said that he was coming out there to do that to Sergio, and Sergio flipped the script on him. Um, Hey, Penny just said she heard you on sports radio, so that must be on right now. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Juan Archuleta and, and uh, Henry Corrales, I, that was a, a fight I was looking forward to. I like uh, Corrales a lot. Um, you know, Juan Archuleta is a tough out. He was 21 and two, or 23 and two going into this fight. Um, I thought, you know, I didn't, I didn't sit down and score it um, like the judges would have, but in my eyes, it looked like Corrales had done enough to win um, to Maybe a little setback there for him, but got a, they got a, a tough, tough division at 145 over there. Um, you know, Darian Caldwell came out and made a big statement. He needed needed that after some some losses to Horiguchi. Um, you know, and now fighting AJ McKee is two young guys that I think AJ McKee's only got 14 or 15 fights too. So, you know, the combined 33 fights between the two guys. You know, um, and I think it's, that's for the title, isn't it? Uh, I, I would imagine it would be. I, I think that's that's what it is. Um, uh, and then Cyborg, you know, went over there and just crushed Julia Budd. It was uh, it was a violent violent display. She didn't she didn't lose a step after getting knocked out. It didn't look no. like, you know I was kind of questioning if she would would still be the same after that, but uh, she answered that question pretty quick. She came in there and, and just beat the shit out of her. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, biggest winner for you on this Bellator card? I'll let you go first this time. Um, probably, probably Darian Caldwell. Um, you know, like I said, he had lost, you know, but the Horiguchi thing, you know, they went back and forth. So, and Horiguchi beat him in both. So, um, then he, he got one win back in Bellator. Uh, but he needed, you know, a big statement like this. And Boris was on a tear, um, coming, th- going through a lot of people and, you know, people, you know, in the know were saying this kid's, this kid's legit. Sure. You know, he's next. And, uh, for Darian Caldwell to go out there and just dominate like that was uh, a big win for him. I'm going to say my biggest winner is uh, Chrissy Cyborg. You know, I think that she needed to come out here and have this dominant statement, get that taste out of her mouth from the from her last loss. And it, especially being her first fight in Bellator, she wanted to really come out there and put on a show. And she did. Uh, biggest loser. I'm going to go uh, right across the aisle from her, actually, and go with Julia Budd because uh, it was a really bad loss. There's not really kind of any kind uh, any sort of uh, clamoring, I don't think, to see a rematch there. Um and I, I think she falls from being, you know, a main event fighter, getting major fights to like way, way, way on down the card. Uh, who's your biggest loser? Um, I guess I have to go with uh, uh, Adam Borgs, I guess. You know, he lost he, his O. Yeah, just just coming off the tear that he's coming off. And, uh, you know, I would I would take Julia Budd. But um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, the other losses are I mean, I don't know. He, he can definitely come back from this and it'll, it'll just be. Uh, a good learning lesson for him, but um, he, you know, could have been, you know, on his way to setting records and and doing things that haven't been done before, and um, you know, to get to get it beaten the way he got beaten was was pretty tough. 
That'll do it for Bellator 238 recap. And uh, also, that'll do it for our recap of this past week. We don't really have anything to preview this week. Of course, next week, we've got the picks panel. It'll be a busy show for the Valor 69 card. But with that, let's move on to our interview portion of the show. We're going to talk to both sides of the main event uh, for next weekend's Valor 69 card. And uh, let's get David Robbins, the champ, on the line first. All right, joining us first on the line, we've got the champ himself, ruthless David Robbins. Second time I've talked to you today, David. Uh, interviewed you earlier uh, for the radio show, and now we got you on the podcast here tonight. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. I'm just uh, finishing up eating some dinner uh, after a nice training session tonight. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, of course, of course. It's a uh, it's a next uh, next uh, Saturday night. It's going down biggest fight of your career. I think it's safe to say biggest fight of uh, both of you guys' career. Uh, it's going to be the main event at Valor sixty nine five rounds uh, potentially for the uh, one hundred fifty five pound championship. You're going to be taking on the Bosnian barn cat Demir Fratbegovic, a fight that uh, fans in this region have uh, you know thought about kind of a dream fight uh, of sorts. Uh, one that I, I, you know, obviously it's crossed my mind to do in the past, but not one that I ever really thought we'd, we'd pull off, but I'm super excited about it. Uh, more excited than I've been about a fight in a, in a long time. Uh, you know, I know you are excited as well. You are, uh, you know, putting in the work, putting in the time for it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the matchup, man. Of course, uh, you know, you are a, a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, uh, the reigning champion. You've got a great Muay Thai. Uh, Demir is a guy that is known to be a sharp shooter. He's known to have good, accurate striking, uh, aggressive, uh, also capable of catching submissions. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, where you feel like you've got to respect him and uh, where he needs to respect you. Um, you know, I feel like I have to respect him everywhere. Um, I, when I've watched him before, you know, he's he's really accurate with the, with the striking. Um, he could be dangerous, you know, with hands, feet, knees, elbows. I've seen him throw it all. Um, and he's just as quick to jump on submissions. You know, I, I've watched all of his fights now several times through. Um, you know, he'll dive for leg locks. He'll throw up arm locks and, and triangles and stuff. He's, you know, pretty dangerous from every position. And I think this is an awesome matchup, you know. Um, we've been kind of at different paths or different points of our career um, throughout the last couple of years. And, I don't think there would have been a better time for us to be able to uh, make this matchup happen. I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, we, we touched on this earlier today when we spoke, uh, but we'll kind of go over it again now. And you brought it up, but it's it was it was really a good point. And it's not something I've really thought about, but you're right. Ultimately, you know, you guys have been training um, and, and fighting uh, on the scene for a comparable amount of time. But Demir has all had, you know, up until probably two or three years ago, had been much more, uh, we'll say, steady uh, you know, as far as staying active. Uh, fighter, he was kind of more. Uh, his name was more in the in the in the mainstream, and 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 you know a prominent prominent guy. Uh, and then over the past couple of years, his activity slowed a little bit. As you know, he's not a really easy guy to match. People see that he, he's dangerous, and he's young in his in his pro career, so he doesn't have this big huge record uh, as he's building it up. He's a tough guy to get fights. Meanwhile, you begin your pro career, and you and you are rattling him off quickly. So now you both have six pro fights. He's been a pro long. Than you, dare I say, at least 
a year. I, I guess the, I should have looked that up before I said that. But he went pro in 2016. Okay, yeah. So Demir went pro in 2016. He's been pro for two years when you make your pro debut. Um, but now you guys have an equal amount of pro fights uh, as we as we come into this fight. Yeah, you know he uh, he made his pro debut on the same card um, that I fought Ibrahim Kamalov. Um, that was for my first amateur MMA title. Um, and I remember he fought a guy from American top team. I'm Lamar not sure if his name was it Lamar Brown. Yeah. Lamar Brown, Lamar Brown. And dude, that was a freaking war. And I remember watching thinking like, shit, man, <laughs> pro is next. And I need to step my game up because that guy's a freaking killer. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, I knew I had probably trained maybe a little bit longer. Um, I just wasn't as active in the fighting, but that was my, that was what I wanted to, that was like the end goal for me was to was to fight him you know i can't think of a better guy in the region so um yeah this is going to be a, a very very fun i can't wait for this so you know it, we, this is another thing that it kind of comes up every time that you have an interview i know so it probably gets uh, tiring and cumbersome to talk about but you know this is a 155 fight you've plied most of your career at 170 pounds now this will be the third time that you come in at 155 pounds demir has fought regularly at 155 pounds uh he has fluctuated up from time to time but generally he's a 155 pound fighter uh that said like standing next to you guys uh, generally, you guys feel to be a very comparable sa- shape and size and uh, stature, if you will. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that there's necessarily any sort of size advantage for either person here. However, uh, you know, there's no secret this last time uh, that you fought, you you know, you made the weight, but you you looked drawn out, emaciated uh, to a degree. Uh, what have you done to uh, to make sure that's not the case coming in here? Is this definitely a guy that, you know, could potentially drag you out for 25 minutes. Uh, you know, I, I cut weight a little bit differently last time. Um, I did it. Uh, I did more weight in a shorter time period. Um, I was, I was just, you know, trying another way of uh, doing it. You know, it was suggested to me that it may be a better way of cutting weight. Um, and you know, I'm, we're always learning. We're always trying to find better ways of doing things. So I thought I'd give it a try. Um, I wasn't, um, you know, my body didn't take to that way. That method is very well. Um, but Mark Laws, I, I still love him, even though he tried to drown me in the bathtub. Uh, but I'm going to go back to the way that I cut the first time. Um, you know, I, I prefer just do a little bit over a couple of days. I'm not really cutting in the sauna, but for two days, but I've got a de- like a hyperhydration to method to dehydrate. And, I, you know, it, just starts releasing the water out of my body and I find that to be a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> well, I know it's definitely, uh, you know, one of the one of those situations where you want to feel as good as you possibly can going into this thing. And uh, I'm sure he feels the exact same way. Uh, you know, one thing I think about this fight is, you know, when you look at it just from an outside perspective, both of you guys have you know, very good technical striking. Both of you guys have shown a proclivity to be able to catch submissions and are gr- aggressive on the ground. But neither of you all up until this point have shown just, you know, top-notch wrestling uh and i think that's where this fight could potentially be uh decided uh maybe uh if, you know, what, what's your take on that is is wrestling something that you feel like uh it just kind of negates uh in this fight 
shit, man. Fuck that wrestling. We're coming to bang. I'm fighting Demir, dude. <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, you know, you know, when I made the fight, I certainly envisioned you guys banging it out, for sure. We're coming to, we're coming to bang. I'm not coming to wrestle. If I wanted to wrestle, I'd order a onesie or something. I'm coming to fight. And, uh, you know, if we go to the ground, so be it. I've got uh, I'm pretty confident in my jujitsu. I didn't get, I didn't get anything working against Charlie. Um, Charlie didn't really open up anything. Like he hugged my hips the whole time. So it's hard to, to work submissions on a guy who's just like super glued to you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Demir, he's got, he's really like aggressive on the top. So I've got to really be like, if I end up on the bottom, I've got to be ready to get going, you know? Um, like, I can't let him start exploding with that ground and pound that he's got. Cause that ground and pound is mean. Um, and that could cause some problems for me. You know, it just takes one shot. He's a very explosive guy. Um, he could rattle me and then throw the rest of my game off, you know? Um, but honestly, I, I just like bashing wrestling. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I might've, I might've done a takedown or two this camp, uh, just to put it in there and see, I'm always open to learning. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, you know, uh, this this fight, you're six and oh, coming in here. Uh, it, it, it really is uh, is almost reminiscent of a couple of years ago, a, a very similar spot that Demir was in against uh, one Luis Pena uh, and, you know, a guy that was undefeated that was on his way up, uh, taking a, uh, a solid, solid, uh, stern test in Demir Frapagovich, a fight that Demir was doing very well in, uh, won the first round, got submitted in the second round. Uh, and, you know, at the next fight, uh, it was the fight that uh, Luis Pena won the Valor 155 championship uh, over another undefeated prospect in Kobe Walker that was very solid and then and then he's in the UFC you know I know your management has uh, is is also the management of Luis Pena so you know uh, is there any kind of uh, you know plans in the works obviously you don't want to look past your opponent here because that would be <laughs> absurd but uh, obviously you know you guys uh, I, I think have big plans for 2020 yeah you know we've got some we've got some things in the works um, some ideas we've talked about I think when Pena won the belt, he was 4-0, and and then he went in the UFC, right? Yes. Yeah, dude, I'm about to be 7-0. and That's almost double the wins. UFC, like, what are you guys waiting on? Sign me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they don't have anybody that looks like me or fights like me. You know, it's going to be uh, definitely bring some, some value and some entertainment. So hopefully we can make something happen there. Um, if not, you know, maybe uh, maybe Contender Series or something. That'd be pretty cool. I like that. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, man, I, I know that this is uh, your last hard week of training. I'm going to not hold you any longer, but I'm going to let you give some love where it is due. Any shout outs you want to give sponsors, training partners, you know, the drill. I'll let you do it. Also, where people can follow you on social media. Yeah. Uh, follow me on uh, Instagram at David Robbins MMA. You can follow me on Twitter at Ruthless Robbins. Um, I want to thank everybody at uh, American Killer Bees here in Cleveland, all my training partners. I got Joseph, uh, Joseph Long on the pads. He's like main stand-up guy. Billy Swanson's helped me out a ton in wrestling and uh, my grappling. You know, I got another black belt, um, Joe Hoffer, and another black belt, Billy Burnett, um, that I get to do a lot of good jiu-jitsu with. And then just all my students, you know, they make great training partners. Um, even if they're a little bit lower skilled, you know, I'll just line up like 
five of them and just <laughs> go through all of them. <laughs> they just so kick their you, <laughs> Exactly. Right. They've got to get sharpened up one way or another. <laughs> uh, uh, thank everybody for their support, though. Um, thanks to my sponsors, Glossay Cryotherapy, um, Oldham Strong, <laughs> Inked Expressions, and um, yeah, that's it. And thank you, Tim. Thank you and Eric for uh, giving me the opportunity so many times to uh, get out there and kick people's asses. The pleasure is all ours. Once again, this has been Ruthless David Robbins ahead of his main event next weekend. It's going to go down at the world famous Cotton Eye Joe February the 8th. That's next Saturday night. He's going to be defending that strap in the main event against a very stern challenger in Demir Fravigovich. Thanks so much for the time, David. Hey, thank you. All right, up next on the line, we've got the other half of your main event for next weekend at Valor 69. He'll be challenging for the VFC Lightweight Championship, the Bosnian Barncat himself, Demir Fratbegovic, on the line with us. Demir, how's it going, my man? It's going good, man. Just got done with training about 30 minutes ago, so I'm a little worn out, but ready to knock this out. Nice, nice. Hey, you know, it's a big fight. It's a fight that uh, a lot of people are super excited about for this one next week. Uh, A very tough challenge for both individuals and you and David Robbins, the current champion. Uh, You know, of course, you're a guy that has been difficult to match over the years. We were talking to David just before we brought you on. And uh, we were talking about how, you know, you guys have been in the game for a similar amount of time, but your your trajectories have uh, uh, or the, I guess the pace has has it's odd how we've come to this point because he was uh, he brought up that your pro debut uh, was his first amateur title fight and he remembered your pro debut and how brutal it was and how it was just an, a crazy fight and him thinking like man I've really got to step my shit up if I'm going to be trying to go to the pro level you know that said once you turn pro it was a little bit more difficult for you to find fights because you're a badass and people don't want to take chances against guys that don't have a real big pro record just yet so your your path slowed as he turned pro and started rattling off fights much quicker and so now you guys have the same amount of pro fights and uh you're main eventing against each other uh here next week talk a little bit about it yeah so i knew david for a few years now he's been a good friend of mine and i think it was honestly just a matter of time before uh we faced off each other just the skill level i knew he was good at He's an accomplished kickboxer. He's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, and, you know, I, I, I believe I'm on that same skill level as him. So it was only really a matter of time before we, you know, cross paths. Um, like, uh, again, it's not anything personal or anything, but it was hard to find fights. So I had to call out the best of the best. And he was one. He had the belt. So I wanted that. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be a good fight for sure. Um, and and uh, definitely a fight I trained for hard. No, you guys are both very respectful throughout this whole process to to utmost professionals. I love working with both you guys. Uh, so, you know, it's never an issue of if either guy you worry about doing anything out of line. You guys have both uh, got a lot of respect for each other. Uh, I look at this fight and, uh, you know, we were talking to, Dave, like I said, we, we just talked to David and, uh, you know, he sees you, you as kind of like a mirror image of himself. Physically, you guys are very similarly built, uh, you know, a lot of the, the same skill set when it comes, you know, 
your striking is very technical, very, very accurate sharpshooters. Uh, you both have submission ability. Neither of you known for just that elite wrestling, if you will. So I feel like the the skill sets are so similar. And I think that makes for just a, a dream fight. Honestly, is I really have a hard time seeing this fight suck, you know? Absolutely. Um, like you said, we're pretty much identical fighters. Like we fight the same. We love to uh, keep it standing. Um, my wrestling is underrated. Like I've been working on it for the last year or two. So um, I just feel more comfortable on my feet. But if I do have to wrestle, you know, I can. It's not totally not there. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's going to be a great fight for sure. I'm excited for it. Let's talk a little bit about your training for this one. I know you train uh, primarily out of the Shield Systems camp in Knoxville, home to Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman, Amy Coleman, uh, nothing but killers coming out of there. Uh, but from the sounds of it, it sounds you know like you have branched out and done some training outside of uh, the area uh, for this one at the very least. And I know you've been out uh, west to the lab in the past. Uh, what, what's going on with your training camp for this one and who's helping you get ready for this? Uh, so this camp, mostly I stuck to Shields. Um, I had a fight lined up back in December. So for that fight, I was going out to uh, North Carolina. It's called uh, Jimmo, Jeff Jimmo. He's the head coach over there. A um, bunch of good guys, a couple UFC fighters over there, lots of good Bellator guys as well. Um, so the training over there is always going to be top notch. Um, but yeah, training out there, I went out there for a couple weeks, trained there. Um, and yeah, like I said, I had that fight back in December. So I was already training for a fight. Uh, and, that, and that fell through. So I was already in pretty good shape when I heard about this fight going to happen. So um, I'm definitely comfortable with my conditioning. Uh, everything went well with the training camp. And yeah, I'm just ready to get it over with, honestly. You know, this being a five round fight, it's the first five round fight that either of you guys have uh, have encountered, even though David, when he won the title, uh, that was actually only a three round fight. So this would be for five. Um, you know, is that something that you you've upped your training for? Or is this something that you've always just kind of get yourself in the peak physical condition to go with those rounds regardless? But, you know, both you guys are, are known uh, finishers. You, you go out there wanting to get the finish. But in the back of your mind, you got to still be thinking, hey, this guy's really tough in front of me. I may have to fight for 25 damn minutes. Yeah, so you never know if the fight's going to last 10 seconds or 25 minutes. So you got to prepare for the latter. You know, you got to got to be ready for all that 25. If you look at my last fight, when I finished that third round, I was still fresh. I was still ready to go another two rounds. Um, but yeah, that's how I train for every fight. I try to get my conditioning to where I can, you know, fight a five round if I had to, even though it's maybe just a three three round fight. I'm training like I'm going to fight King Kong in that cage, you know, so I'm, you know, training for the best. And, uh, but yeah, my conditioning, like I said, I've been training for a couple months now. Like I've, I've been in camp for almost 10 weeks, 10, 11 weeks training for one fight. I fell through. So, and it just kind of overlapped to this fight. So I'll be ready for a five rounder if it goes that way. Uh, just judging by how me and him fight, I don't think it's going to last five rounds, but who knows? We'll see. Well, I'm certainly excited for it, man. More and more excited than I've ever been for a fight, you know, and I, I see a lot of fights and this is one that's really got me got me amped up for next weekend. Uh, before we let you go, I'm going to let you give some shout outs where they're due. Any uh, sponsors, training partners, any love you want to give. I'll let you have it and then finish this off by letting our listeners know where they can uh, catch you on social media. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So social media, I'll go ahead and say that Twitter uh, at Demir Ferabegovic. Um, Instagram at officially Demir. Uh, you can follow me there and show your support there. 
Um, I just want to say thanks to all my training partners that helped me throughout this, especially the guys in North Carolina. They helped me a lot for sure. Um, just dialing in some conditioning stuff and certain techniques that I need to be doing. Um, Scott Holtzman, obviously, is a big, big training partner of mine. Ben Harrison, uh, my main coach, and uh, just everyone who's shown support over the years. I really appreciate it. Once again, this has been the Bosnian Barncat, Demir Fravigovic, one of the, the top prospects in the nation, honestly, getting ready to take on Ruthless David Robbins in the main event next weekend at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. Thanks so much for the time, Demir. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Can't wait to put on a show for you guys. All right, that will do it for our interview portion of the show. Thanks so much to our guests, both Ruthless David Robbins and the Bosnian Barncat, Demir Fravigovic, ahead of their clash next weekend. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be Valor 69 at the Cotton Eye Joe, Knoxville, Tennessee, Saturday, February the 8th. You can get your tickets at fighterticks.com. Nothing like being there live and in person, but if you can't be there live and in person, there will be a live pay-per-view stream, uh, so you can go to the VFCMMA.com to get details about that. That is going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Valor Hour. Thanks so much for listening in. Make sure to give us a like, give us a share. Let's spread the love here. Keep this thing going each and every week. For my partner, Justin Watson, I'm Tim Loy signing off for another edition of the Valor Hour. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Coming up on this week's edition of the MMA Report Podcast, Daniel Galvan and myself, we are going to talk about the passing of Kobe Bryant and talk about our takeaways from uh, everything that transpired, how, how he found out about the news and how the death of a sports icon does bring things into perspective. Also, you're going to hear my conversation with UFC featherweight Alon Cruz who's going to make his debut at UFC Norfolk at the end of February as our conversation ranges from uh, him getting on the Contender Series, winning a UFC contract, his UFC debut next month against Steven Peterson. And man, Josh Thompson's interview on the Joe Rogan podcast had us talking about a lot of things and we'll break down the Steven A. Smith fiasco and both me and Jason will tell you our ideal UFC versus Bellator card. You can't, you got to check out our matchups. And also we will recap last week's UFC card with Curtis Blades, big victory and the Bellator card with Chris Cyborg's debut. And you can listen to the MMA Report podcast on RadioInfluence.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Google Podcast. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.